0: Welcome to Information Security Media Group's CEO interview series. I'm Matthew Schwartz, Managing Editor for Europe for Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with Patrick Morley, the President and Chief Executive Officer of Bit9 Plus Carbon Black. Patrick, welcome.
1: Thanks, Matthew. Great to be here.
0: Tell me a little bit about Bit9 plus Carbon Black, just to get us started.
1: Bit9 plus Carbon Black is a security company focused on devices or endpoints and solving the next generation problem that we see in the world around us today around security. Traditionally, for the last 20 years, the primary mechanism for security on devices, on endpoints, on servers has been antivirus. And as we've all seen in the news over the last couple of years, especially the last year, yeah our ability to leverage that solution to defend ourselves is inadequate. And Bit9 plus Carbon Black offers a next generation endpoint security platform that enables customers to much more effectively defend their organizations in today's increasingly hacked environment.
0: And what are some of the components of that platform that you're offering?
1: If you think about antivirus, and today while we're talking, uh, you're on a computer right now, I assume, and on that you're running some form of antivirus. Of course, millions millions of users worldwide use antivirus and the primary mechanism it uses the analogy i would use is a stop go light it is looking for bad in the world and if it sees bad coming onto your machine it says i know that this is bad and i'm going to stop it but everything else i'm going to assume is good and so because of that it's quite easy for an adversary to target an individual to target a company and to build a piece of software that has never been seen before by antivirus and it's quite easy for that malware to go right through an antivirus engine and get resident on a device. In fact, what most experts will tell you is that the efficacy of antivirus today is about 25%. So it's good for generalized malware, but it's very ineffective against targeted malware. And so if I target you, it's quite easy to get resident. We think where the world is going is much more to a life cycle security model, one where companies and individuals are going to be constantly probed by the adversary. And in fact, we think that the model moving forward is one where the adversary is actually going to get resident on machines and inside of the enterprise on a very regular basis. Traditionally, people would put up walls around their enterprise from a security standpoint. They put up a big wall and then they try and keep the bad guys out. And that's all changing today with the cloud and mobile. And so in the future, the model is one where it's a continuous life cycle and it has three core components. Those three core components are for Protection, detection, detection, and respond. Protect the enterprise with non-signature-based mechanisms we can talk about in a little bit. Detect the adversary in real time. So leverage some of the new technology that's out there like big data analytics to record all the time what's happening on devices and be able to detect the adversary instantly and then be able to respond to them live in a matter of seconds. And this life cycle just continues all the time because the adversary is always probing.
0: With adversaries always probing for weaknesses and also this expectation that No matter what you do these days, it's possible that an attacker is going to get resident on one or more of your machines. How does that alter how businesses need to be reacting? You've talked about the antivirus and how that's not necessarily going to detect it. But if attackers are going to be able to get access to your machines then how does that change the defensive plan that businesses need to be employing?
1: Over the last few years, we've seen a significant investment on the network side with security technology. A lot of new vendors have arrived on the scene over the last few years. And the primary offering that they have, in addition to some defensive capabilities, mostly what they've done is provide additional visibility of what's happening on the network. Hey, I see a command and control session going on with an adversary. They're on the network. I have awareness of what applications are running. I can see something that shouldn't be running. It's all primarily around visibility. One of the biggest challenges on the device side, and this is what organizations are waking up to worldwide right now, one of the biggest challenges is that I'll see an adversary on the network because I've bought new instrumentation that allows me to see them. I'll see them go by and I'll see the malware go to Matthew's machine. But once they arrive on that machine, the way that antivirus and traditional endpoint products have worked, I have no idea what that adversary is doing. I'm totally blind. And so The first premise that we talk to organizations about is the fact that you have to have visibility in real time, always on, on every device in the environment. And then by doing that, if you assume the adversary is going to get resident, the first thing you've accomplished is you've provided yourself with the capability to react very quickly because you can see the adversary. So now in that same example, I see a piece of malware go by to Matthew's machine. I can instantly know whether or not that malware did anything or were you all patched and the malware failed. I can also, if they did get resident, I can see how they moved. I can see what they did because I'm recording everything in real time. That is a big change over the traditional state of endpoint security. And just a few years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do this because the data collection, the technology to do this type of data collection and analysis in real time didn't exist. But with new technologies and the buzzword big data, the value of big data and being able to collect and analyze massive amounts of data in real time has changed the equation and it's allowed the defender inside the enterprise, the security teams, to have a much better awareness of what's going on across the enterprise and all these devices.
0: What is the role of whitelisting in all of this? Because I think when people hear Bit9, they often think of whitelisting as a security defense.
1: Yep. Whitelisting is still a critical component of our solution. I talked about in this new age of next generation endpoint security, there's those three components, protection, detection, response. It all starts, protection, detection, response, all starts with having real-time visibility and always-on recorder, which is what we have. The application whitelisting or application control element of our solution fits as a cornerstone of our protection piece. So underneath protection, we offer protection in a few different ways. We can ban executable content. We can leverage detonation engines out there. When they see malware, we can ban that content on the endpoint. We also have application control, and we have the largest implementations of application control in enterprises around the world today, hundreds of thousands of users who are using it. And the primary thing that application control does is it only allows trusted software to run and we see a 99.2% reduction of malware in the environment when you run application control. It essentially reduces malware to almost nothing. And the reason it's able to do that is unless we know and trust what is running on that device, we will not allow it to run. Or at a minimum, we'll tell the SOC team that someone or something is attempting to run something that we don't necessarily know or trust. It's a very powerful model. And in fact, it's a model that has more similarities with the way we run our own lives, which is I'm only going to let people into my house if I know them. I'm not going to look for the bad guys and uh, let everyone else in. And that's essentially the way that application control or application whitelisting works.
0: You talk about a reduction in malware, but in more general terms, would that also be a reduction in the types of tools that would be attackers would be running to harvest data off the system or to potentially try to gain root admin access to the system and use it to launch a follow-on attack somewhere else in the network?
1: Absolutely. Part of the interesting evolution at Bit9 is that we started squarely focused on the prevention or protection arena, and we leveraged application control to do that. As part of application, Control, we had to build an always on recorder that was watching everything happening on a device and was actually following how files and executable content propagated inside of an environment. We had to follow it all. And so, what we saw was some of our forward leaning customers, particularly in the financial services arena and in tech, big tech companies, they started to use our technology to actually watch the adversary in real time. So They used us both for prevention to stop those root kits, et cetera, from being laid down on the device. But they also started to, in some situations, want to allow the adversary to get residents so they could watch what the re- adversary was doing in real time. And that's how we progressed from a focus primarily on prevention to one that was not just prevention, but was also detection and response, really a life cycle of security on the endpoint.
0: Now, you've had a seven-year tenure at the head of your firm. We've been talking a little bit about some of the changes that you've seen, application whitelisting coming to the fore, building a recorder, seeing what's going on on the device, and moving things forward from there. What have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the kinds of security that your firm has been touching, and what have been some of the most unexpected ones?
1: Yes, seven years, seven-year tenure here certainly have seen a lot of change in the industry. When I came seven years ago, I thought that most. CISOs and security experts recognized the fact that antivirus was no longer effective. And while from a technology standpoint, that was true, from a business standpoint and from an awareness standpoint, most organizations seven years ago were still satisfied with their use of antivirus. Of course, if you fast forward to where we are today, we've seen dramatic change, in particular, starting in 2010, when Google publicly announced that they had been hit. They identified China as the attacker. They named the attack Aurora. That was a real sea change for the industry where you started to see boards and executives start to wake up. And of course, if we follow the progression and kind of fast forward to where we are today with Sony and Home Depot and Target and others, the awareness factor today at the board with executive teams is absolutely 100 percent 180 degrees different than it was even up to three years ago that has been a major change and for us for where we sit in the security stack on the device side the other big change is on awareness that all of the ip that is getting stolen the credit card data the personal information the medical records all of that actually doesn't sit on the network. It actually sits on a device, on a server, or on an endpoint. And so the second big theme we've seen is an awareness that I have to have next-generation security on my devices if I truly hope to be able to defend myself from the adversary. The one other element I would add from a change standpoint is the importance of, and the power that security professionals now have within the enterprise. I was just saying this to someone the other day, I was talking to a large financial institution and I was talking to the CISO there. And if you look at just a couple of years ago, most CISOs did not meet with their boards regularly. They did not meet with their executives regularly. There were other functions within the company that had more pull, more power than they did. So a CISO might say, we need to add this security to the data center or to our most important applications inside the company. But many times, other groups had more power. That has changed even in the last 12 months. Chief information security officers and security staff have a lot more power inside of companies today. They have a lot more budget as well. And that's a good thing for companies.
0: Now, presumably, that makes it easier for you to show up and say, these are security defenses that you need. Do you have them in place now? If not, you need to be thinking about them. Has that also pushed your company, perhaps, in some different directions, getting more direct feedback from CISOs and other high-level technical people?
1: It has allowed us to have faster sales cycles to have more intelligent conversations with potential buyers. It's allowed us to get much higher in the organization. We very regularly are talking to senior executives at some of the largest companies in the world. That is different than where it was even a couple of years ago. So I talked about those three core capabilities, protection, detection, response all based on a real-time recorder one of the other cornerstones that we always talk about is an open api and the ability to integrate with other providers one of our core beliefs is that one security company can't do it all and so we have integrated and we continue to integrate with every major security provider in the stack on the network side on the SIM side, on the analytics side, we integrate with every other provider. And the basic premise is that as a security professional, what I want to do is I want to buy best of breed products to defend myself against the adversary, and I need them to work together seamlessly. And so we've taken the posture that we're going to integrate with everyone. So when we talk to senior executives, especially around IT and around security, one of the benefits we can bring to the table is we can tell them what we're seeing for best of breed and all the other elements of the stack. And it allows us to really change ourselves from just a vendor that's selling a single product to really an advisor around this next generation platform that we see getting built out, certainly in our area on the endpoint, but as well as in other areas of the overall security stack inside of these
0: enterprises. I'd like to just talk about the merger between Bit9 and Carbon Black quickly. What was the thinking behind that? Obviously, you've retained both of those names. So that is, I think, reflecting that both have brought different complementary pieces of the puzzle together
1: so carbon black was built for the ground up as a detection and response platform bit9 came at the model more from the prevention side when we looked at where the market was going what we saw was two primary drivers in the market we had more proactive security groups investing in preventative techniques like application control that required some thought and some policy development. We also saw other groups of customers, forward-leaning customers, that generally wanted to just put a live recorder everywhere across every device in the enterprise and they wanted to do that very quickly. And so what Carbon Black has enabled us to do It has enabled us to take a a lightweight sensor that's built on a big data analytics platform, provide it to customers, provide it to service providers like MSSPs, provide it to incident responders, and allow them to deploy this lightweight sensor in a matter of hours or days across very large enterprises and get eyes on a device instantly. That's the real value add of Carbon Black is that I go from being blind in an enterprise with tens of thousands of users to having complete visibility on every device inside of the environment and truly understanding what's happening. And one of the biggest ways we see that is that we provide our solution to incident responders out there. They can use our product for free as part of responses. And so we have many organizations out there now that are using Carbon Black as the primary response tool when they go into customers. So when they get the call, they go in, they deploy it across the whole enterprise, they find the adversary, they find what they're doing, and they use Carbon Black as the primary mechanism of doing the remediation on the endpoint. And then, of course, on the back end of that, they offer to the customers the ability to keep that technology as part of their ongoing security stack, and we've seen that as a very successful model.
0: Interestingly, that model speaks to an organization that doesn't have a tool like that in place, and I don't think there's necessarily a lot of hard data out there, at least in a publicly consumable format, but with some of the big breaches we've seen in recent months, there's been a question with some of them that maybe there wasn't this type of recorder in place Maybe attackers wiped their tracks. Maybe there isn't a whole lot to work with anymore when it comes to data. So is there a cautionary lesson in some of the breaches that have come out in recent months that if they had had this sort of a data recorder in place, even if they didn't catch the breach when it was unfolding, from a response standpoint, they may have had a better ability to get a handle on what happened, what was stolen, and so on?
1: Absolutely. In fact, if you look at the cost, of a breach, and I think the Verizon data from 2013 talked about the cost of a breach being over $5 million. A big chunk of that cost is actually going back and trying to recreate what has happened, pulling disks out, you know, hard disks out, taking that image, doing an analysis on that image, trying to find out where they erased their tracks, all of that. Typically, you'll bring in a response team that you're paying each individual on that response team $4,000 per day. And if it's a larger breach, you're going to bring in a number of those people to help you because you're in crisis mode. That adds up very quickly to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the beauty of our detection response offering is that since we're sitting there recording everything live, we can do the same recreation in a matter of seconds, and we can do it live. We can see exactly what the adversary has done in a graphical way, and the SOC team can actually watch that adversary as they try and move around the enterprise. It's a totally different paradigm. And the future, every device is going to have some type of technology like that. It has to.
0: You authored a blog post in February 2013 that confirmed reports that bit had been hacked and the company's digital certificate had been used to sign malware and attack three customers. To the company's credit, I think to your credit, you came clean very quickly, owned up to what had happened, addressed them, and appear to have moved on from there. Are there any lessons you might share from that experience, feedback from customers?
1: Yes, there were quite a few lessons learned in that experience. The first lesson learned is that our technology and our solution is good. And the reason we were targeted was because the adversary was trying to get resident in three enterprises that were protected by our solution and they couldn't do it and so they came after us. So that was certainly one lesson learned that we have a great offering. Second lesson learned, was that by going through what we did, we truly experienced what our customers are experiencing on a very regular basis. And it put us in a posture where we could speak to them. And I, as a CEO, could speak to CEOs at other large firms about what they've gone through. And we knew exactly what they've gone through. And it put us, again, back in a position where I think it makes us a better partner, a better vendor for them to buy from. We didn't lose any customer's from that we are from a security standpoint in a much better posture today and in fact i had some of my customers who recognized that i had a, quite a few customers who said to me i don't wish this on anybody i'm glad you went through it because i am confident that as a vendor you are going to be more secure going forward and You're going to be able to help me in even a better way because you're more aware of the situation. So say company changing event, things like that. And I know that's true for every company we read about in the news. And it's a wake up call. We we were certainly secure before we were doing all the right things. But even just the culture inside of the company has changed because of the awareness level.
0: What are some of those cultural changes that you see?
1: internal security is one of the core strategies that the company articulates to all of its employees. Now, we did that as in prior case, but now it's a core tenant of the company. We are very proactive on how we do red team exercises against the company. We publish results back to the employees. We talk about security at every single company meeting in a very real way. We train every employee on security. Every new employee, when they come on board, they go through security training. We do reminders on a weekly basis. So we are aggressive about the way that we talk about the importance of security inside the company. And so to sum up all of that, the primary difference is I think a lot of companies treat security as certainly very important and necessary, but it's a little bit off to the side. It's like, hey, it's good hygiene. Hey, you need to do this. And then it's almost set it and forget it. And for us, it is a consistent, continuous communication about security inside the environment and why it's so important. And again, I think that helps us when we talk to customers and prospects because we're living it.
0: Have you seen follow-on attack attempts of the type that you saw back in 2013. We can assume that someone's probably trying, but anything to report on that front?
1: Nothing to report on that front. Now, good
0: question. Patrick, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Matthew. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thank you for joining us.